so good. Um, last week, we kicked off a series here at Walk Church that we titled Grow. Come on, somebody say grow. Grow, grow, grow. We're growing here together. And um, we, we talked about how the Lord uh, has given us this theme for this next season. Every time we have a church birthday, I always love to get alone with God and just spend some time praying, spend some time dreaming, spend some, some time just saying, God, where do you want to take us in this next season? And I just really sensed a burden on my heart that this next year would be a, a year of growth for our church. And I want to go ahead and clarify when I, when I say that, what I mean, uh, what I don't mean. Uh, what I'm not saying is that our church needs to grow in size this year, and that's what our focus is. Um, rather, our focus is that each individual that's part of this church family would take responsibility in themselves to say, this is going to be my best year of growth personally. Amen? And if you take that challenge, and let me go ahead and even start. I know we're still in the intro, but it's getting a little dicey right now. Enough with the excuses. Enough with the complaining. Enough with the blaming others or blaming your circumstance or even blaming God. This would be your year to say, hey, this is my best year to grow. And nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to grow for it. And here's, here's the statement. Ready? We'll put it up here on the screen. If you grow, we'll grow. One, one more time. Say it with me. If you grow, we'll grow. And we believe that to the fullest. If you say, hey, I'm going to take responsibility for my growth. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, your life is going to get better. Your family is going to get better your work environment, the people around you, your, your city is going to change, your, your, your space is going to be different. If you grow, everything will grow. If you take the responsibility to say, you know what, this will be my best year of growth, watch things around you start to grow as well. And that's my challenge. That's my encouragement. That's my prayer. And that's my challenge to myself as well. And so what we <clears throat> talked about last week, just briefly, is utilizing that uh, phrase grow um, as an acronym for at minimum four key significant areas. Uh, the first is, is the G and that stands for, come on, say it with me, grace. We're, we're growing in, in grace. That's the heart. That's the idea is that at very minimum, if you don't grow in anything else, these four words, grace, repentance, obedience, and wisdom would be the things that you grow in. That you say, hey, you know what? I, I, got, I got four new tools in my belt. I grew in grace. I grew in repentance, turning to Jesus. I grew in obedience, doing what he told me to do. And I got wiser in, in this next year, amen? Oh, would we all have that testimony? And I really believe, I really believe that we can. So let's talk about this first one. Let's look at the G, grace. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling simply Grow in Grace. This is part number one. I don't know how many parts it'll be, as much as it needs to be, because I believe when it comes to grace, grace is, is something that's more like a crock pot, kind of slower rather than microwave. Grace, you got you to simmer in it. You got you to sit in it. You got to grow in it. 
it's slow growth. It's something that we can grow in as individuals and as a church family. We're growing in grace. What I want to do is I want to take a moment up front and define what grace is. Here's what I know. If we were to all answer the question, what is grace? I believe if I, if I interviewed five people here, five people here, and five people here, I get 15 different answers. Because one person might say, I know what grace is. Grace is a short prayer that I say before I eat. Come on, you ever had somebody say, all right, who's going to say grace? And we all hold hands. And I think there's some reality to that. Or maybe someone would say, I know what grace is. Grace is an elegant, smooth movement. Like, like Josh Jacobs with the football today. Come on, I'm just joking. Uh, like Kelsey Plum on the court today, right? It, it, uh, grace is uh, an, an, an elegance to it, right? Or maybe you might say, Grace is like a courteous consideration where maybe you would say, hey, will it give me the grace to answer? Can I at least have the grace to be honest? Or maybe you would say, no, 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 grace is an extension of time. I'm gonna give you a three-day grace period. Huh. You might say, yeah. that." Or maybe grace is to impact someone with your presence where you're saying, hey, I'm grateful that you graced me today at church. You, you came, you showed up. What is grace? Is it just one of those? Is it all of those? I believe all of those definitions work in some capacity, but it's not only that. They all are symptoms of an even greater grace. The biblical definition of grace, it comes from the Greek word charis. Charis. Come on, somebody say charis. I didn't say carrot. Charis. We're learning about grace. Charis. And what does it mean to grow in Charis, grace. The definition that I just began to jot down in my own working moment while taking a lot of definitions of grace that I found, looking at the original language and just trying to understand what grace is, here's what I defined it as. God's unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. Amen? Someone wanted to clap for that. I will. What is grace? Walk Church, grace. Come on, say it with me. God's unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. That God in his grace would give us unmerited, how long is it going to last? Everlasting favor from above. To who? To us. Charles Spurgeon was once writing on the topic of grace. He says, you see that, that mark of a child of, of God is that by the grace of God, uh, he is what he is. What do you know about the grace of God? Well, I attend a place of worship regularly. But what do you know about the grace of God? Oh, I've always been an upright, honest, truthful, respectable man. I'm glad to hear it. But what do you know about the grace of God? Spurgeon was trying to make a point. What do you know about the grace of God? Walk Church, I want us to grow in grace. And you're like, man, this is a really long intro. It's getting longer. <laughs> because I want you to feel the tension and the slowness of soaking in the grace of our, of our Savior. When it comes to growing in grace, I think it's important to understand what it is. That's why I want to take time on 
just defining it and what these words actually mean biblically because it's hard to grow in something you don't understand. So if you don't understand grace, it'll be hard for you to grow in grace. If you don't understand grace, it'll be hard for you to receive grace. If you don't understand grace, oh, <laughs> it's gonna be hard for you to give grace, right? Because you don't fully understand the purpose, the meaning, the bigness, and the beauty of God's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Come on, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now, friends, now I see. Maybe you know that great hymn and you can sing those lyrics because they mean something to you. The first point of the message when, I, when it comes to growing in grace is that, simply this, understanding grace. How can we understand God's grace? Well, here's what I want to do. As I was thinking about this message, and as I started to write down this definition of what grace is, I just began to, to unpack it and take it slow. So let me put this, this, this definition up on the screen one more time. It's, it's God's unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. When it comes to defining grace, always start with God. Before we go here, we last. Start here. To fully, if you really want to understand grace, start with God. And get a big God theology. A big God view. Hey, listen. If you think God's really big, he's even bigger. If you think you've understood the vastness and the depth of the bigness of God, it's not quite big enough. I think he can still get bigger. God refers to himself as the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, he's gonna be there at the end. He, and he's all up in the in-between, right? He, he is God, he is all-powerful, he is omnipowerful. There's nothing that's too big or heavy or hard for him. He's not just all-powerful, but he's all-knowing. He knows what happened yesterday, and friend, he's already in tomorrow, right? He's, he's omnipresent. He's here in Las Vegas. He's also in Australia at the same time. He's God. He's being worshiped by thousands and myriads and myriads of angelic, big, scary beings giving him the glory that he is worthy of, right? And at the same time, this God who's holy, set apart, righteous in all of his ways, good and incredible, he is God, he knows our name. I, I hope we never get bored with or away from the fact that he actually knows you. Like more than the president showing up at your house and saying, it's me, or more than your favorite sports figure that you gotta take a selfie with, God! knows you. Amen. And I hope that there's something in that that just moves you a little bit to worship, moves you a little bit to humility, moves you to grow in, grow in his grace. When it comes to God, what does he do? Well, it's God's unmerited and everlasting favor given to us. When, when I talk about unmerited, um, the definitions that I found for this word unmerited are simply this, you didn't deserve it. You couldn't earn it. You didn't do anything to get the merit. And I, I don't know if it's just how we function in our day or culture, or maybe this dates back to the beginning days. I'm sure it did. 
Uh, there's something in us that wants the credit. Anybody, anybody ever feel that way or just me? Deep down, sometimes you just want to feel like, but, but I did, I, I did that. I earned that. I contributed to that. And I just want you to know this word is important. To understand grace, if you're going to grow in grace and understand grace, you got to understand that it was not merited by your deeds. And here's, why, here's how I want to prove it to you. Here's how I know. Because you, apart from the grace of God, listen to me. I'm going to go for it. You are dead. I have to, I have to remind us the, there's no way you could have merited it because you were dead. Amen. Like, I hope this isn't too much of a strange visual, but I mean, I guess we could like bring a dead person into church and like <laughs> plop them down on the chair and like put a grow hat on them and a grow shirt and place a guitar on them. They're still dead. Apart from the grace of God Almighty, who's big and holy and good, apart from him and his grace, we are, friend, friend we are not just bad people. We're dead people. Hey, here's why. Here's why I'm leaning into this. Because some of you would say, oh, come on, Hyde, I'm not that bad. I'd say, no, you're not. You're dead. Not, you're not even not bad. You're worse than that. You're not alive. I think there's some, something in us that's like, Come on, you've heard it before. Whoa, I'm a good person. No, you're, not. you're, you're a dead person. That's <laughs> what the Bible teaches us. So maybe you're a good person to maybe your own standards, but not to God's. Maybe you're a good person to yes people around you that, you know, you say, am I a good person? Yeah, you are. And then they talk about you behind your back. They roll, roll their eyes. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Verse one, and you were, say it with me, dead. dead. I mean, it doesn't say sleeping. It doesn't say taking a nap. It doesn't say, you know, you had like 50% good stuff, other 50% not so. No, it says you were dead in the trespasses and you have trespassed against God's holiness. We've all followed our great ancestors, Adam and Eve. We haven't listened. We've rebelled against our holy creator who loves us so much. We have turned away from his correction, his deeds, his, his calling. We've went the other way. And in doing so, we've died. Our sins have, have caused that in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. This is our testimony, among whom we all once lived in the... Can somebody just say all for me? All. Tap the person next to you say, this is you. Tell that person back, no, it's you. <laughs> among whom we all... Oh, listen to me, walk. There's somebody in here who's still thinking this isn't you. There's somebody still thinking in pride. Yeah, 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 but he doesn't really know how great I am. It's so, there's the, the, the narcissist in us really thinks, I'm, I'm, I'm starting not to like this pastor. Love you. Among whom we all want, if you're going to get mad, get mad at Ephesians. 
We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of the wrath of Almighty God. This, this is our testimony from... Like the rest of mankind. But I think the two best words put together in the Bible... But God. But God. Wait a second. Don't stop reading, PH. Keep reading. But God. Can I just tell you, you'll never appreciate the but God if you don't understand these first four verses. If you just jump to here, you won't appreciate God's grace. You'll just take it for granted and just say, give me another scoop of that. I'm a good person and I got grace to match. No, you're a dead person. You're following the course of this world. You're on your way to the wrath of God, which results in an eternal place called hell. You're you're, you're headed that way. And not only that, you're deceiving yourself that that's not going to happen. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that it's going to happen. But God steps in. It's like, you know, you ever seen one of those like, wrestling matches back in the day and like the person's losing the match and then all of a sudden the the glass shatters and somebody comes out it's but god is here whoa here comes god running down the aisle to save the day yeah i grew up on wrestling so what and yes it is real i'm just saying but god okay define define god's nature god's character well here it is but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. How does it happen? Dash, by grace. By grace, you've been saved. You haven't been saved by your performance. You're saved by his. If you were to say, oh, yes, you're not saved by that. Are we saved by works? Well, wait, hold on a second. Are we saved by works? Yes, but not our works, his. We are saved by his work on the cross. We are saved by his life of obedience. We are saved by his resurrection. We are saved by his ascension. It's all his work. Somebody uh, said, you know, uh, like, like a, like a, like a project in school and somebody did all the work. You just happened to be in the right group. (laughs) You got to just put your name on it. Yeah. I was part of that group. We, we get to put our name on his work. We get to say, yeah, Jesus, uh, we're, Because look, what does it say? Made us alive together with Christ. Praise God, we get to show up with him. You know what that is? That's grace. Dear Ephesians, by grace you've been saved. Walk church family, it's by grace you've been saved. And so until we fully understand that we are not in a good place, we're in a death place. And only Jesus has those what are those things? Come on. 
clear? He, Jesus has those spiritual ones where at, uh, where at some point, at some point, the grace of God hits your heart. At some point, the grace of God impacted you in such a way where you came alive and you were never the same again. You were different in your thinking. You were different in your passions. You were different. You once were in love with the world. You once were, come on, let me get verse, verses three again and four. Uh, if we can go back, just one slide, right? We were following, we lived in the passions of our flesh. We just do whatever our body tells us to do. We just eat whatever our mind tells us to eat. We're carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We're just going through life like a zombie. And by nature, the wrath of God is coming. And that's true for the rest of mankind as well. That's why we should share our faith. That's why we should share about the grace that changed us. God being rich in, in mercy. Let, 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 me, let me finish this. Next slide, please, if we can. Um, he says it like this. He says, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive. It, it doesn't say by your merit you've been saved it says by grace you've been saved. So try your best not to feel like you can earn it. It's unearnable. It, the moment you start to think, okay, I'm going to earn it. The moment you've lost track of grace, the very definition of grace is unmerited. Stop trying to earn it. Amen. Amen. I, I love this uh, quote here. Um, from Dr. Timothy Keller, who went to heaven this past year, Keller writes it like this, change won't happen through trying harder. That help anybody right there? Change won't happen through trying harder, but only through encountering the radical grace of God. Like, I love the altar. I love the place to come up and pray and to offer our praise and worship and talk to God in a, in a really deep and passionate, meaningful way. But please don't come to the altar and do this. God, I'm back here again, and this time I'm going to do it right. I'm going to pull my, I'm going to lace these up. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to eat my Wheaties. They still make Wheaties? Right? I'm going to have a protein shake, and I'm going to do the Christian life. No, stop trying to earn it. That's not going to change you. You're going to come back the next week and say, oh, God, I did it again. I'm sorry. This is the real one. And God's like, stop making real one promises. Just remember grace. Change won't happen through trying harder. It'll happen through encountering the radical grace of God. I love how the preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones put it. He said, the Christian life starts with grace. It must continue with grace. It ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Your Christian testimony starts with God showing and giving me grace. And then God keeping me by his grace. And then one day God resurrecting me to eternity with him by grace. Friend, we don't graduate from the grace of God. We grow deeper into God's grace. And praise God, amen, that his grace uh, is everlasting. Yes. Look at the definition one more time with me. I, I think it's helpful to just get a concept. What is grace? Charis, it's 
God's unmerited and everlasting grace. So we know it's, it's, we know it's his. We know that we can't earn it. Well, how long is that going to last? Everlasting. Everlasting. It's going to keep lasting. I say that because some of you, I'm sure, are kind of like me, where the eighth time you do the thing that you knew you shouldn't have done and didn't want to do, and you said something quick to speak again, and you, you looked at something, or maybe you, you, you felt a certain way, or maybe you were sinful in some type of capacity, you think, man, I think, I've, I think I'm coming to the end. I think I've kind of ran, like I, my tank, my grace gas tank was like super full. It was way green. But now I think I'm like on my last 5%. I'm going to run out unless I do something. No, no, that is not the gospel. The grace of God is everlasting. It continues, it continues on. I love how Jerry Bridges says it in his writings on the topic of grace. He's written extensively on the subject. He says, our worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. I love the scriptures that teach about God's arm. And he says, his arm is is not so small that it cannot reach you. David, who struggled with all types of sin, King David, a man after God's heart, had all types of problems with lust and murder and fear and moments of cowardness and he struggled. But David in Psalm 139 writes, but where can I go apart from him? I, I go to the basement and there he is. I go into the depths of the sea. I plunge myself. Oceanographers are still trying to figure out how deep that could be. And David says, and I met God there. I went to the highest of heights on the mountaintop and he was already there. He says, where could I go from your presence, God? How can I escape your grace? It is ever, it is everlasting. Let me give you one more quote that has stirred my heart. It comes from an author named Max Lucado. Max says it like this. He says, grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. What is grace? Grace is that whisper that says, you can do it. Don't go back to sin. I died for that. I paid for that. You don't need to stay here. You're more than a conqueror. And then in your head, you think, I know, but how am I going to do it? And grace says, I'm going to help you pull it off. I'm going to be with you on this journey. In yourself, you don't have the power. But God does. What, what is grace? Grace is, it's, it's not something you could earn. It's unmerited it's, it's not something that runs out. It's everlasting. And friend, it is given to us from God. I, I, my prayer is, if, in order for us to grow in grace, two things need to happen. Number one, we have to understand it, right? Let me see that definition. Like, I hope that uh, you'll get this into your heart. So if somebody says, hey, what's grace? You can say, oh, that's God's unmerited and everlasting favor toward us memorize it. We're going to post it on social media. Hopefully we can all have this same mentality. I told a brother this just the other day. He came up to me and he said, man, Pastor Hyden, you know, a few months ago I got baptized 
and I was so on fire for the Lord. Now, I feel like I suck. And I said, you have forgotten grace. And you must have somehow drifted back into performance. Because even on our good days and our bad days, the grace of God is still sufficient for us and our weakness. So here's how we're going to grow in grace. Number one, understand it. Number two, remember it. My two points for today. Grow in grace by understanding God's grace. Grow in grace by remembering God's grace. Every day, we should have, have an alarm on your phone. I've just reminded me of grace. I just needed to be reminded I'm under, I'm under God's grace and I can't come up from it. I can try to wiggle my way through it, but God has, he has, he has lavished upon us his grace. And oh, friend, that's exciting. My prayer is that you would not exhaust it in your thinking because you can't, but you would remember God's grace frequently. It is just that good. It's, it's what Jesus came to bring, amen? It's, it's what Jesus changed the day with. In fact, grace are the bookends of the Bible. If you look at the book of Genesis, right? First off, God's creating, that's grace. God's creating the heavens, God's creating the earth. God's creating the sea, he's creating the animals, he's creating, creating the aquatic animals. I still don't understand the purpose of mosquitoes, but God's creating all types of stuff. And he creates humans, creates the first family. He tells Adam and Eve clear instructions. Adam and Eve both fall into sin and have, have consequences for their sin. But what does God do? Do you know what God does? The first thing that God does after they fall into sin? Let me show it to you. Genesis chapter three. Put it up here on the screen if you got it. Genesis 3, verses 20 and 21. Here's what the scripture says. It says, The Lord God made Adam and his, for his wife skins and clothed them. So the first thing that God does for these two sinners is he clothes them. That God even has the first sin offering in that moment and covers their nakedness and covers their shame and covers their brokenness because of their sin. You know what that is? That's just God showing grace. Like, could God have done the lightning bolt right there? Uh, yeah, he could have. Could God have done whatever he wanted to because his own creation rebelled against him? Yes, but what does he do? He shows them grace. You know the last verse in the Bible? The very last verse in the entire, entire what's, how does Revelation close? Revelation 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. The, 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 the Bible begins with God showing grace. The Bible ends with an emphasis on grace. And so I think we know what to do. We should remember God's grace. We should understand God's grace. We should uh, swim in the ocean of God's grace. And let that be the thing that moves you, friend. That Jesus Christ would die for your sins is, a, is the picture of grace. That God would send his own son to live the life you couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise up from the grave? All for what? For us. That is grace. To send his Holy Spirit to be with you every moment of every day? Friend, it's grace. 
So stop trying to perform, stop trying to earn, and start remembering his grace. Let the beauty, scandalous grace of the gospel be the very thing that moves you to walk it out. Be the very thing that compels you to actually live this life. As we close right now, I'm gonna invite our worship team to help me close. And I wanna just close with a, a, a parable. Um, hey, Vegas is like a sports city right now. Come on, amen. So I wanna give you a sports parable that hopefully would uh, make sense and encourage you as well. Bob and the Lord stood by to observe a baseball game. The Lord's team was playing Satan's team. The Lord's team was at bat and the score was tied zero to zero. It was the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. They continued to watch as a batter whose name was Love stepped up to the plate. Love swung at the first pitch and hit a single. Why? Because love never fails. The next batter was named Faith, who also got a single because faith works with love. The next batter was Godly Wisdom. Satan wound up through the first pitch. Godly Wisdom looked it over and let it pass. Ball one. Three more pitches and Godly Wisdom walked because Godly Wisdom never swings at what Satan throws. Come on, amen. The bases were loaded. The Lord then turned to Bob and told him he was going to bring out his star player. Up to the plate steps Grace. Bob said, he sure don't look like much. Satan's whole team relaxed when they saw Grace, thinking they had won the game. Satan wound up, fired his first pitch to the shock of everyone. Grace hit the ball harder than anyone had ever seen. However, Satan wasn't worried. His center fielder let very few balls get by him. The fielder went up for the ball. It went right through his glove, hit him right on the forehead and sent him crashing to the ground. Then the ball continued over the fence for a home run. The Lord's team had won the game. The Lord then asked Bob if he knew why love, faith and godly wisdom could get you on base but couldn't win the game. Bob answered that he didn't know why. The Lord then explained, if your love, faith, and wisdom would have won the game, you would have thought you did it by yourself. Love, faith, and wisdom will get you on the base, but it's only by my grace that'll bring you home. Come on, amen. It's only the grace of God that can get us home. Not our merits, not our deeds, not our righteousness, but His. It's His grace. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your kindness. Thank You for Your victory. Jesus, You love us so much. You call us Your own. You call us Your own. Today, if you are here, if you're online, if you're in this room and you need to receive Jesus, I want to invite you right this moment to call upon his name and be saved. Just right now, you can do it. Just say, Lord, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that I was dead. But today, I put my faith in you. 
I turn away from my sins. I trust you as my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me with grace to to be new. I'm no longer my own. I'm yours. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we praise God for his grace today? Come on, can we thank him for grace today? Amen. I want to invite you to stand. If you need to come to the altar, you can. And let's respond with praise. It's amazing grace.